Hello there, and welcome to Sweet Child of Time. I'm your host, Steve Barnes, and today we are finally recapping Netflix's Dark. We're starting with episode one, Secrets, and I am here with, from one of my stories, Lindsay Dunn. Hello, Lindsay. It feels weird not to say ahoy, but Oh, I forgot to say ahoy there. Yes, you're right. (laughs) I'm thinking like new place. Anyway. Is it, uh, yeah, is it still appropriate to say ahoy? I don't, I don't know. It's a Dark Ways production thing, so absolutely we're going to say ahoy there, Lindsay. How is your <laughs> ship going tonight? My ship is brooding and moody, as is appropriate for this show. Ah, perfect. Yeah, same. We're in the right headspace for this heavy show. <laughs> if we're not, if we're not in that space, that's the space we need to be in. So it's. You know, I'm not saying I am actually feeling brooding and moody today, but I'm mm-hmm. trying to get there right now. I'm transitioning into my brooding and moody tone. That's right. Yes. Well, I mean, it's easy to do with this show. This show is a, uh, I love the palette of the show. I love everything about it. Uh, I guess the first thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the recap is, you know, why we chose to do dark. Um, and I'm going to throw it to you, Lindsay. Um, You've already done written recaps of Dark, so now you're actually doing some Mm -hmm. verbalization of those. So what led you to actually want to do the recaps of Dark? Well, I wanted to do, I've always wanted to do a Dark podcast when the show started and Mm. I had in my head, one day I'll be a podcaster. (laughs) Yes, I can do it one day. Uh, But at the time, I didn't have the, the knowledge or the skills to do any podcasting. Um, so, you know, now we've come a little bit further in my career and Mm -hmm. I've meddled with podcasting (laughs) and YouTubing and I finally got settled and met you, which has been a wonderful blessing. And (laughs) cause I found the perfect person, my perfect match, my perfect dark match to be able to, (laughs) to do this with me. And we both have a saint a similar a uh, a similar philosophy i feel like when it comes to podcasting and what we want to mm-hmm. do here so it seems like hey we have the opportunity i would probably if it was let's say five years from now 10 years from now and somebody said will you do a dark podcast with me i'd still probably <laughs> say yes mm-hmm. because i feel like i would never run out of things to talk about with this show and i don't feel like i went through it with anyone i did it by myself mm. Um, and, gotcha. and through the years, I've talked to people who have those good conversation skills, but they had watched it. We watched it at different times. So we would just share little tidbits on Twitter or Facebook about how much we like the show, but we didn't really discuss it. So right. it's just a great, I'm just seizing the day here, basically. <laughs> I mean, same here too. I've, um, I loved Dark when I first saw it. I binged it maybe like a year ago. I watched it all pretty quickly. And I just watched it that one time and, and loved it. And I've always wanted to kind of go back and rewatch it. And my usual thing when I watch a show that I love a lot and that I really want to get into it is I'll, you know, find a recap podcast to listen to. And I'll watch one episode and then listen to the recap podcast, then watch episode two, et cetera. Um, so I've been planning to do that with Dark, planning to do that with Dark here. And it just never happened. And then when 1899 came around and discussions with you and and reading your dark recaps, it just seemed like it was 
the podcast I'm going to listen to is mine. I'm going to do it. So I'm really happy to like, <laughs> instead of finding a podcast to listen to, be able to do it and, you know, give it to other people to listen to. Um, Cause you know, I, I love podcasting. I'm very enthusiastic about the shows that I like. And you obviously have already done these recaps like written wise. So, I mean, it's, um, the perfect match, the perfect darkness, <laughs> like you said, mm -hmm. Lindsay. And I wanted to say something that you said in a previous podcast, which is when you rewatch Dark, which I think a lot of people will be doing, maybe we'll catch some people watching it for the first time around. But when you rewatch Dark and you're like in a different place in your life, you look at things differently. It's already happened because <laughs> I just rewatched Dark this past week. I watched it twice. And I have much different feelings about it now because of personal things that are happening in my life that directly tie in with this episode. So mm -hmm. um, you're right. This show is great to rewatch just because you'll see it from a different perspective each time you do it. It's also, I feel, motivation for me to finish the recaps because mm -hmm. I didn't finish, I'm almost done with season two, I have two episodes left, but I never did season three, and the people that love my written recaps keep asking me, when are you gonna finish season three? <laughs> so this is my motivation and my call to, to do it, because we're yep. going to, we're gonna get to the point where we'll run out, so it's time. The time is now, the bell has tolled. <laughs> it has. And has the bell tolled for us to begin the recap, Lindsay? Do you think we should go ahead and do this? I think we should, or we'll be here for a really long time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, as we said, um, Lindsay has already written these recaps. You can find these at oneofmystories.com, and I'm going to provide a link to this um, this episode one recap. But, um, yeah, Lindsay's going to do some reading from those recaps to fill us in on what is happening scene by scene, and then we'll discuss them. So first okay. scene is you, Lindsay. All right. So we start the episode with a quote from Albert Einstein. The distinction between past, present, and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion. This is just written on the screen. We mm -hmm. don't hear it said. Then immediately after, a voice narrates, we trust that time is linear, that it proceeds eternally, uniformly into infinity. But the distinction between past, present, and future is nothing but an illusion. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow are not consecutive. They are connected in a never-ending circle. Everything is connected. And as that voiceover finishes... We've been, while he's been talking, we've been seeing photos of individuals. We don't know who these people are. Right. But it pulls back and we see a giant wall that is covered with photos and all of the photos are connected with strings and there's just this <laughs> intricate web of photo portraits that fill the screen. Typical serial killer stuff. <laughs> <laughs> It really does look like, what do they call it, a murder board or, mm -hmm. a, you know, I think that might be actually what they call it. Or a conspiracy board or something along those lines. I mean, it's, I, I do like how they show some characters, they'll show like, you know, past, present, future, but then some characters we see only one picture of. So it's kind of like, oh, mm -hmm. come on, show us some more than that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what are your thoughts when you see that? When you when you start this, 
how do you feel about this opening? How does it make you feel? Um, it makes me feel very welcoming because I know that this show is speaking to me. It's somebody who's speaking to me. So this is my language. I, I like this. It's not that I necessarily believe these words because you know, I, I, I believe past, present, and future are kind of linear. At least in my experience, they are. Um, but I love mm -hmm. to, you know, think about other perspectives and think think about, you know, what other people, you know, think about that. So I, I, I love it. <laughs> it's all for me. I want to speak to, I want to speak to all audiences when we do this. And so we talked about the fact that we might have new people that are just watching the show for the next for the first time, where we might have veterans that are watching it many times, but putting my place back in first time viewer, uh, this intro didn't do jack for me. Oh yeah? <laughs> it's one of those things where you hear a guy, you hear a guy intoning things that sound important and philosophical, but what does it mean to you personally right then? When I go back and watch it now, I really like it, but I think when I first, <laughs> when I first watched this show, I was like, what? what are you talking about? Show me something. So then I like when it actually starts and we meet the people, then it becomes more interesting to me. But there's seven, and there's several places in this show that many, many times where people will intone these long speeches and it sounds <laughs> like they're kind of talking from a textbook or something or saying an important philo philosophical thing. And it can be interesting, but it doesn't really do much to move the plot forward. So you can, hmm. those are sometimes times, it's like reading Moby Dick and you get to the part where they read about like whale, like whaling practices. What are you, are you wearing? I'm wearing a Moby Dick shirt. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I'm, us I'm using the worst, the worst like um, connection ever, but for like reading Moby Dick, that's like one of those things that I can just maybe you you feel tempted to just move past that scene, the long like thing of like being in the whaling church. And you're like, tell me something that I can picture. You know, what are you talking about? But next, um, so that that was my that was my mentality as a first time viewer. I guess yeah, we think differently about that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. If if you start talking about time and different perspectives and portals in time and the brain that I'm just all over it. So uh, mm -hmm. it just spoke to me. And this next scene also, I have a lot to say about this next scene. So mm -hmm. um, okay, I let's think go we for can it. Move on. Yeah. yeah. So it's now June twenty first, two thousand nineteen. A man seals an envelope, stands on a stool, loops a noose around his neck, and hangs himself. A close up of the envelope that the man closed appears which says do not open before november 4th 10 13 p.m <laughs> next to the envelope is a family photo with the man who just ended his life two women and a teenage with red hair everyone is smiling but the adult man yeah and soon the script or the narrator will reveal that the man, well, it actually is the script. Um, later on, we learned that the man is named Michael Conwald, and the other people in the photo are Hannah Conwald, who is his wife, Jonas Conwald, who is his son, and Inez Conwald, who is Michael's guardian. I thought it was interesting, too, that I absolutely noticed how he was the only person not smiling in that picture. 
Um, you know, pretty telling with the fact that he's, you know, this is, this is a heavy way to start a show. Like mm-hmm. you said, the, uh, if, if the, if the past, present, future, all that, that heady talk doesn't drive you away, then surely the first scene being someone committing suicide will drive you away. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a brave choice. I'm surprised that they started the show like this. Cause it's really brave to start a show this way. It's a, almost like a barrier of entry or like always mm-hmm. gatekeeping in a way. Like if you can't handle this scene, then you can't handle our show. That's so true. Today, people talk about wanting a trigger warning. There's no trigger mm-hmm. warning here. It, I mean, it's, it's right there. And I, I like your words being like, if you can't, you know, your gateway entry, if you can't handle this scene, this show is not for you because it does um, put you right into, you know, you don't know this man, but you just saw him stand on the stool and kill himself. And you can see if you're the type that takes in things, you can see that the room is an artist studio mm-hmm. and he has his shirt has paint on it. So he's a painter. People love art. People we think about the tortured artist, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we're, it does make you wonder right away. What is this man's story and why is he doing this? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, this reminded me a lot of um, like black metal or death metal. This show is definitely like for people who are into that kind of thing because when people hear that type of music, um, especially the vocals, there could be very like screechy or growling or guttural and that drives a lot of people away immediately and that's almost by design um, where like if you ca- if you can't handle these type of vocals then this music is not for you and then you come to realize well those vocals are there um, as representations of like evoking emotions and these people who are doing this aren't just like kids in the room screaming they're actually trying to you know present something and evoke an emotion and it's a brave way to start a show um evoking these type of emotions um yeah, that was my comparison. Yeah, and I I will say, which I've I've kind of shared with you off mic before, Steve. But at at the time the show came out, my um, it was a couple years after my brother in law did hang himself, and mm. so this scene definitely gripped me and spoke to me in a very visceral way right away but it also I was in in that state I wasn't in a good place when the show came on I mean and after before bed I would watch an episode and drink a lot of wine so it wasn't (laughs) was it healthy no but this was really the perfect show for me to to watch and experience this kind of these kinds of difficult topics um and I was I was looking for that. I was looking for something that I could relate to and something that would feel safe or or like welcoming for me. Like this is a place for you. This is a place you can be in and be with people that understand what you're going through in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so this is this is what this show can do for you. And we talked about different being different places in your life. This is now several years after that fact. And mm-hmm. that scene doesn't impact me in the same way, but I can, it is immediately like gripping, like you can almost put yourself in the place 
people talk about the power of nostalgia and this is almost the opposite of nostalgia. <laughs> you can revisit right. your trauma with this show and some people may not like that, but some people do find that comforting. Yep. I guess the only thing I'll add is that because you're kind of disconnected from it in a way, it's not your personal life. You're watching, you know, make believe life, but it's hitting the same emotions. Mm -hmm. Yep. Good point. So before we go into the opening music, there is a person that wakes up with a start and like a gasp of air. Mm -hmm. And if you're, the type that notices things, you'll notice that this is the teenage boy from the picture. It's almost like he woke up from a nightmare and he swallows a few pills to calm himself down or whatever those pills are, uppers, downers, who knows? Um, <laughs> we'll find out in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, but he, he wakes up like as if he had, he was having a nightmare and that is our introduction to this show. And we go into the opening credits, so. It is heavy. And those opening credits, that's a great song right there. It's a song called Goodbye. And I think you wanted to go into a little, talk about a little bit of that song, correct? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll read what I put in the recap and then we can, we can discuss it. Yeah, but go, go for it. The, the theme song for the show is Goodbye by the band Apparat. They're a German electronic musical group and goodbye is track four from their album the devil's walk and it's been used on several soundtracks previously i love this song and i like how it goes with those title credits the pictures the images are replicated broken and fractured and it's difficult to discern what some of the images are now as we go along in the show we will recognize scenes in those title credits but uh but the overall effect kind of mesmerizes you and puts you in a trance like looking at a kaleidoscope when you stop and look at one of those you're yeah. just mesmerized by those pictures and in many shows theme music is a placeholder and a place to go get a snack but i feel like the dark <laughs> theme and the title credits are ones you never skip and the comparison i made is thinking about angelo Badalamente's twin peaks theme song it's kind of this door into another world and helps the viewer to transition into the show and puts us into the reality which is the nightmare that is Winden in this case. So what I wanted to talk about, apart from, you know, you can comment on any of that, but what I wanted to ask you is how this song makes you feel. Oh, absolutely. Um, almost like sorrowful, like the chord choices. It's just four chords that are just like ascending and then descending, but you know, they pick those right chords. Um, I really thought it was Ben. I thought this was a Ben Frost song until, you know, I looked into it a little bit more. I, you know, it's, it's music is a hard thing for me to like actually verbalize and describe. I don't know why that is, but, uh, I don't know. I, for me, it's the vocals. It's the, uh, the vocals that really make the song and those images, I could watch them all day long. I mean, by the time that this opening credit started, 
like I'm talking about like the first time I saw this show and I'm hearing this Albert Einstein talk and I'm seeing this heavy scene of this guy hanging himself. And then I hear this song and I see these credits and it's like kaleidoscope visuals and the visuals are crazy mesmerizing. I, I was all in. I mean, even before I got mm-hmm. 10 minutes into dark, I was already like proclaiming it like my show. I mean, it, it's, it sets the tone. And the lyrics are so good and they match the show so well. So I feel like this this song just puts us in that mood. I'm here ready for the nightmare. I'm hearing those lyrics for the first time right now. I didn't know what those lyrics were. <laughs> when I when I hear songs I almost never hear lyrics. I just like hear like melodies and stuff. So you're telling me this for the first time. So I need to pay more attention. Well, that's interesting, because I remember when you were recapping 1899, you'd often get on and recite some of the lyrics from the songs. So I that, thought you were right. into those lyrics, Steve. Well, episode two, I'm going to do exactly that. I got, you know, we got 36 <laughs> episodes. I can do this, baby. So <laughs> next time around, I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, boy. Keep going? Yeah, yeah. All right, so once the title credits end, it's now November 4th, 2019. So before we were June, so it's now been five months. The day of the letter right? finally is here, right? Right, the day the letter is to be opened. And yay. Jonas, yay, yeah, letter day. It's like, miracle, what is it, Miracle on 34th? So Jonas wakes up and goes downstairs and there's no power in the house and the milk has gone bad. Mm. And he calls for his mom and no Mm. response from mom. Mm. (laughs) And mom is now in bed with one Ulrich Nielsen. Mm. And yeah, so they are (laughs) shagging around and Ulrich wants to know if Hannah will be at the meeting tonight and Hannah demures that perhaps not because Katerina will be there. He gets dressed and sneaks out the window. But before he does that, <laughs> um, Hannah tells Ulrich that she loves him and Ulrich only replies, you're beautiful. That's nice, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it feels like a slap in the face. It is a this, definite slap it, in the yeah. face. <laughs> And Hannah glances at the aforementioned Conwell family photo that was was in the first scene. Only one person has been ripped out of the picture, and the person missing is Inez, who is Michael's mother. So that's rude. I mean, yeah, <laughs> ripping somebody out of the picture like that. I don't know. Anytime you see that, you know something bad's gone down. <laughs> It's like, um, that makes me think of online dating when people, <laughs> sometimes people will, will post a picture of themselves. Like the only pictures they ever had was them with their ex-girlfriend yep. or their ex-boyfriend. So they will post the picture, but it's very obviously has somebody else, like a head, you know, an arm or whatever, but that person is no longer in the photo. So this the, ripped the, out of their life. This had like the jagged rip too. So, you know, like she ripped it. She didn't like take some scissors and think about it. She was in the midst of some, uh, I don't know, some other situation with her. I mean, you could tell there's some animosity there. 
Hey, before we go to the next scene, though, I'm going to take a quick break, if that's okay. We're at the half hour mark, Lindsay. Mm. So I'm going to take a break, and we're going to hear a word from the marshland monster, James McCollum. We'll be right back. Hey, y'all. James here before the show starts to tell you about 2023's MLM Pod Patreon Pledge Drive, taking place live at twitch.tv forward slash mostly speaking Sentai on April 15th, starting at 9 a.m. What is it, you wonder? Well, in an attempt to get you to subscribe to patreon.com forward slash MLM Pod, where you can listen to our premium content like This Existed, engaged with Nicolas Cage, most speaking Sentai After Dark and so much more, I'll be streaming live until we get to 40 patrons or I pass out. Starting now, for every 10 new patrons we get, I'll be doing the extremely spicy Pocky One Chip Challenge. That goes for $1 patrons, $5 patrons, and $10 patrons, so go subscribe now. The live stream will include video games, watch-alongs of Lost Luchadoras and Stick It in Detroit, a live recording of Formulaic with R2 Shelby 2, me working out, showing as much skin as Twitch's terms of service will allow, call-ins, music making, and more. So again, that's Saturday, April 15th, starting at 9 a.m. to question mark, twitch.tv forward slash mostly speaking Sentai. Go subscribe now to patreon.com forward slash MLM pod to make sure the party starts off heck with me eating a lot of spicy chips. Now, enjoy some good Marshland Media podcasting. Doodaloos! We are back with our recap of Dark. And where were we at, Lindsay? We just had, um, we're at the part where Jonas departs the house wearing his yellow rain slicker. Right, so... Jonas departs from the house wearing his bright yellow rain jacket, an iconic image that will repeat itself in the show many times. Love it. And the camera pans to capture the site of a large nuclear power plant. And a sign on the post reveals that a boy has gone missing named Eric Obendorf. Ulrich jogs home and passes a directional sign showing that 0.6 miles away lies the Winding Caves. I actually think the sign said something else in Mm -hmm. meters, but the folks at Netflix nicely translated that for us (laughs) into miles. And we see the caves and zoom into the darkness within. There's a whooshing sound in the air, which is super creepy. And next to the caves is a discarded yellow easy chair. Automatically. I love that chair. Yeah. It made me think about The Wire. Did you ever watch The Wire on HBO? No. Yeah, there was always like, not always, but there were scenes where there was like discarded couches and chairs, like just in weird places and people just be hanging out like on the couch, you know, (laughs) like just some old couch that like hangs out in the rain. And yeah, I love the site. The, the, image wouldn't be the same without that yellow chair next to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, speaking of like, um, you said that Netflix was nice enough to translate for you. I watched the show twice this past week, once in German, once in English. Uh, how are you watching the show? I watch it in German only. One time I accidentally started watching it in English and I was shocked and horrified. (laughs) (laughs) 
I couldn't get over the dub the dubbing. It was so bad. It's hard for me too. Um, so yeah, I prefer to watch it in German. I was just curious what you thought. Um, Heather wants to watch it in English, so that's I'm going to be watching it in both German and English every week. So I'll be watching it in German by myself, taking my notes, and then when me and Heather watch it, we'll watch it in English, and I won't take notes. I'll just watch it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I think one thing that I remember from the scene, too, that's interesting is when Jonas is doing this, when he rides his bike and he stops at a traffic light. Right. And again, these are things we know that Bo and Yantia are huge fans of Twin Peaks. These are just things I love because they remind me of Twin Peaks, too, because there's the image of the stoplight in that show, as well as there are certain things in the town that you get this sound of the whooshing, the whooshing wind. And oh, yeah. <laughs> nice little, you know, I'm not doing ASMR in your microphone, folks. I'm just trying to make my best whoosh. Um, <clears throat> but it's it just has this this town you get a sense that this town is not right and even the image of Ulrich jogging with the his hoodie on Mm -hmm. it just it just makes you feel like not just gloomy but things are not things are just not quite right here in Wyndon yeah I would say gloomy is a good word for it and I guess Mm -hmm. this would be a good place to say too that um this town of Wyndon does not actually exist um, there is a wind in Germany, but it's not this wind in Germany. Um, mm-hmm. The real wind in Germany does not have a power plant there. This show is actually filmed in Berlin. So if you go to wind in Germany, you're not going to see any of these things. And they did that on purpose because they didn't want, you know, the small town of Winden to be inundated with, you know, sightseers and stuff. So they purposely made it a fictional town with a fictional power plant. I'm going to completely forget that you said any of that because I want to believe there's a Winden. <laughs> well, there is. You can tag your posts Winden. It's fine. <laughs> but you're not going to see a forest road and you're not going to see that traffic light there and et cetera. The Winden Hotel? No. Okay. No Winden Hotel. Well, there probably is a Winden Hotel, but there's not going to be Regina at the desk. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, you can go on if um if you're ready for the next uh, yeah. scene. So Jonas walks with a man that turns out to be his therapist, <laughs> one Peter Doppler. Now, I actually thought that maybe that's not correct because Peter is saying, he says that he was reading Jonas's therapy session notes. So I was, when I saw that, I was like, well, actually maybe he's, is he his caseworker or social worker who assigned him to a therapist, but is handling... But anyway, Peter is involved with Jonas's emotional healing in some way. Yeah. Uh, They seem comfortable with each other, and Jonas reveals that he still sees his father sometimes. And Peter wants to know if it's a dream or he thinks it's a dream. And Jonas wonders if his father is trying to tell him something. And Peter asks, like, what? <laughs> and Jonas just snaps and starts screaming. And uh, I relate to that. I thought this seemed like a really dumb question. After someone dies, especially after suicide, the question you always want to know is why? And even when we were talking, Steve, when we started that, I mentioned that when Michael hangs himself, you automatically are like, why is he doing this? What's right. wrong? You know, why is his life this bad that it would, that it would get to that? 
and Jonas is in extreme pain because his doesn't understand why this happened, which lets us know that he doesn't know about this note that was left because he mentioned that his father left no note. So we're like, what happened to the envelope we saw (laughs) at the beginning? Yeah. The first time I saw this scene, I thought, I thought to myself, you know, you know, wow, you know, Jonas is really still affected by this. He's really snapping at this guy. When I rewatched this, I mm-hmm. was like, this guy being Peter is a really crappy therapist. That's a really stupid question to ask. So I can totally understand why Jonas snapped at him the way he did, because that, you know, that was a really dumb, unprofessional question <laughs> that he should have known the answer to. It's not a very good, like, um, conversation starter of a question, I guess. Mm-hmm. Just somebody who's in that much be pain. A, have been a better, yeah, what would have been a better question? I think that, I mean, I think that's like, it's a valid question sure. because I, w- I think people do struggle with this. When people go through stuff, they're like, what do you, how, what, how, do, what do you say? And I don't know what to say. So sometimes people say nothing or they say really dumb things that are right. hurtful like this Here's <laughs> coming what, from a therapist. <laughs> well, you're asking me now what I say. Peter's, Peter wants to know if it's a dream. Jonas wonders if his father is trying to tell him something. Instead of Peter saying like what, Peter could say, and that's interesting. A lot of times when we feel like somebody is trying to tell us something, then maybe it's just ourselves trying to, you know, comprehend what's going on or. Yeah, I'm sorry. There might have been a lag, but I, I guess I was I was trying to think what what I would ask, uh, what would have wanted to ask. But oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But hopefully Peter has gotten some better training than <laughs> than saying like what or or I can understand or many people, maybe if he says something like. Many people feel that their loved ones are trying to to communicate with them in mm-hmm. different ways. So this is normal, you know, to be sort of assuring or let him know that you are welcome to to open up with me as much as you want. Right. And I'm here and I'm not going to treat you like that. This is weird that you're seeing your father still. Yeah. These are hard questions, yeah. Jonas. These are very hard questions. This is a very hard time. I'm here for you, buddy. Mm, I like that. <laughs> Good job, Steve. There's, there's always time for a new career. <laughs> Even at 50. <laughs> okay. So the note. Yeah. We That question is answered pretty quickly where that note is because Enos Conwald is sitting at a table and in front of her is a wooden box with a tree on it. Inside the box is a letter left, the letter left by Michael. We also see that Enos has her own version of the family photo on her wall. Yep. And this time I noticed, Steve, for the first time, because you notice new things all the time. Yeah. In her photo, no one is smiling. Really? She has a completely different version of the photo. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. I got to go back and rewatch her fourth time. You have to go time. back and look at that. Yes. <laughs> that is but awesome. It's just a little, they show her looking at the, well, because in the, in the picture in the beginning, we have the three people smiling and the one person not smiling. And in this picture, no one is smiling. Wow. So I did not know how to take that at all. I was like, is this a different you know, some people take multiple multiple pictures, right? Sure. Or is is this 
when people sometimes when people look at photos they see what they want to see yeah you know is ina's looking at this photo and seeing only unhappiness like even even if the picture might have smiles um and then jonas might be and michael might have looked at the photo and going remember those happy times when we were a happy family they see what they want to see right so i was thinking about the perception you can bring to things but yeah that was that was it was trippy seeing that photo appear i i actually stopped and went what (laughs) (laughs) yeah i want to see that i want to see jonas look at that picture now and see what uh see what he gets from it (laughs) yeah what does he see (laughs) everybody's got their tongue stuck out or something that is maddening um, that she has to sit there and wait for that exact minute. Heather was saying, she's like, there's no way. She's like, if, if you did something like that and left me that kind of note, I would open it immediately. There's no way I would wait any specific date, any specific time. So Inez really has some, um, I don't, some wherewithal to, <laughs> to keep yeah. that. Like Pandora's box, you know, like, oh, you yeah. know, don't open the box. <laughs> if you're not gonna open it now, why would you wait? But um, I feel like she, my take on this was she wanted to respect his wishes. She obviously cares really deeply for him. She keeps, she's looking, she's ready to open that letter because she keeps looking at it and looking at the clock. So we know she wants to open it, but at the same time, she decides to follow the instructions for, for whatever reason. And there is a voice on the radio talking sort of in the background, right. not really in a, it's not seen as important, but they're talking about the wind and power plant, which was constructed in 1960, is going to be taken off the grid in 2020. And this is one of the power plants that has had the longest record staying failure free. Hooray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they want us to know that this that this wind and power plant is is closing and it has a squeaky clean record. All righty. Yep. I paid close attention to that as well. Like anything in the background they're talking about is mm-hmm. fair game for all of our ears to listen to. Yep. Pay attention to everything. Yep. <laughs> so move on. Yes, ma'am. All right. So a. Ulrich, the wayward Ulrich, has arrived home, and we meet his wife, Katerina, mm-hmm. and their three children, Magnus, Marta, and Mikkel. Magnus and Marta are both teens, and Magnus is very, ex- very overexcited about where his black hoodie is. Mm-hmm. Martha is on a hunger strike <laughs> and won't eat breakfast. And Mikkel is the youngest, and he is wearing a skeleton costume that Katarina wants him to take off because she doesn't feel like it's appropriate for school. Mm-mm-mm. But Mikkel insists it's part of his magician's yeah. costume, yeah. and it's his signature look. So Ulrich comes in and says he was there was a long line at that bakery. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he needed to pick up those croissants that everybody <laughs> obviously wants so badly right then. Um, oui, oui. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Ulrich is very, he enjoys Mikkel's aspirations and his show. And so even, Kat, even though Katarina has said, you need to get up right now and change that outfit, Ulrich is like, okay, show me a magic trick. Yeah. 
And the trick is that Mikkel makes a token, a little game token move from one cup to another. Classic magician's trick. Yep. And Ulrich asks him how he did it. Mikkel replies, the question isn't how, but when. Mm. Mikkel. So what did you think about these family dynamics? I love this family dynamic. I like the chaos in their house. Mikkel is number one. He's like my favorite. If I was going to tell you who my favorite was, it's, it's definitely Mikkel. He's punk rock. He's great. I love his magic. I love his hoodie. Keep it on, buddy. Wear whatever you want to school. Um, the M's were interesting, how they have the Magnus, Marta, and Mikkel. Because I know a family named the Moseses. I think the mother listens to this podcast. And we have um, Michelle and Mark and Miranda and Matthew and Michael. And that is their family. So they, mm-hmm. that's immediately who I thought about when I, when I saw this, is that they you know, had the little M thing going on with their kids. Um, Ulrich obviously sucks. Um, you know, bald-faced <laughs> lying to his wife. Um, Magnus borderline sucks also. I don't like bullies. I have a zero tolerance for bullies. So I don't like seeing anybody slapping their little brother around. And mom and dad aren't saying anything about that. Hands off your brother, kid. You know, Mm. (sighs) at least Marta should have spoke up for him there. Um, But yeah, but despite the fact that, you know, we already know the dad sucks. If we didn't know the dad sucked then I would probably like, if we hadn't already seen that scene with him cheating, then I would have liked him a lot because, you know, he kind of comes in, um, the mama kind of runs like a tight ship or she wants to anyway, but -hmm. the family is a lot more non-traditional. So they're kind of more loose and the dad is kind of loose along with them and kind of isn't tight with the rules. And you can tell he's attentive to um, his little guy. Um, He gives him his full attention and... Mm -hmm. You know, you can tell that they share something at, at the very least. Um, and I like Marta sticking up for hunger strikes, of course. I mean, <laughs> that always makes me think about, you know, old friend of mine, Meg, and that's kind of how she was when we were in high school. And so, you know, I'm drawn to that as well. So I get really good vibes from this household, despite what I know about dad. Well, okay. Okay. I, I, I hear you. I... You know, Ulrich does suck, but at the same time, when he comes in and is more relaxed, I feel it makes me feel comfortable. Like he makes me feel super comfortable. And you can tell that that's why their their combination of things probably helps their house. You know, (laughs) Katarina is a little more anxious and, and wound up and Ulrich is very relaxed and calm. And I love the attention he gives Mikkel. And, um, but I also, I also do realize that he was going against his wife's witches, which is never good. You know, when you, when you, um, cause you know, sometimes my parents had that dynamic where one of them says one thing and one of them says the other, and you find out very quickly which one holds the power because that person gets their way. <laughs> right. Um, so in this case, it's, it's obviously Ulrich mm-hmm. that gets his way. Um, but it, I was like, he loves his kid. You know, I love, I liked that he was an attentive father to his, to his kid and was like, um, you know, wear whatever you want. Now, mm-hmm. Magnus was hitting the, his brother in the back of the head. That's not cool. 
But it, I, I felt like this was a typical family dynamic that you see that um, picking on the younger kid, um, the the older kid is kind of left to his, is very much left to his devices. And you have one that's always the, what do you call it? The social advocate, <laughs> you know, she's just like <laughs> world peace and all that. And, um, but yeah, I was like, I need my black hoodie for the first day of school. I absolutely do. Yeah. So where is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was very, I don't know, cause kind of comforting and familiar. I feel, even though this is a German family, you would think we don't have anything in common, but it was like, I, I feel like I recognize every single one of these people. Absolutely. I felt like it was a, yeah, I didn't feel like they were a foreign German family. I felt like they were representative of now, basically. And I mm-hmm. would have liked Magnus a lot more if he wasn't smacking his brother around. And I know that that was supposed to be like an affectionate kind of thing because Mikkel doesn't care. He doesn't like, you know, doesn't react or get pissed or anything. Um, I would have liked Magnus a lot more without that, just like I would have liked Ulrich a lot more without knowing what I knew about him. And I th- mm-hmm. think that's representative of a lot of these characters. We would like them a lot more if we didn't know these things about them. But the show is showing us these things, so we have to take that into account. Okay, so after that, Yona shows up at school to find everyone staring at him in a very unkind way. Yeah. He's greeted by his friend, Bartosz Tiedemann, who has lied to everybody and told them <laughs> that Jonas was in France for two months playing Ooh. hide the baguette. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... We deduce that Jonas didn't come to school for a while after the death of his father and asked Bartosz to either he came up with this lie or Bartosz did, but he told them you're in France and, um, you know, Bartosz felt compelled to make up this lie to cover for him or was it as kind as that? Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> Tell I, me how you feel, Steve. I don't like this Bartos fella. I mean, I do. I am drawn to him because he reminds me a lot of one of my old best friends from school. And there are some redeeming factors that Bartos does have um, where he's, you know, kind of loyal, kind of like a us against them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he does have some redeeming qualities here, but this whole lie about France... I think we found out later that was just a something a way that he could avoid a heavy topic with um Marta basically. I think he was just playing it as an avoidance game um or maybe he knew that Marta would reach out to like, you know, want to comfort Jonas or I I don't know. That's a screwy lie and <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like liars that lie like that. It's a big lie too. And in somebody else's defense, I'd, I'd, mm-hmm. I'm beside myself. <laughs> what about wow. you? What, what are you thinking? Well, I think more in another scene, but mm. uh, initially I'm like, I thought it was pretty normal that a, a teen would not want everyone to know that my dad killed himself and to know people were talking about him. Okay. Now, there's all kinds of lies you can make up about somebody. <laughs> you don't have to say they were in France, um, but <clears throat> you might, 
you know, I mean, it's not it's not actually a bad lie because it's like, oh, interesting. He's in France. And what um, that must have been fun and great. And all that, you know, but like he's got to come up you... with all these stories, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's hard to do. I, don't, I mean, of course, yeah. you know, if we're not in this situation, but it seems like the best lie would be, you know, his dad passed away or like his dad was in a car accident or anything other than, you know, I think the suicide is what the shameful thing is, not mm. necessarily the death that, that happens. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Bartos sounds like a last name to me as well. I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> well, these are German names. True. But you know, that, that one definitely sounds like a lot. Ulrich too. sounds like a last name to me as well. Cause I guess cause I know Lars Ulrich. So that's why I think it's more yeah. of a last name kind of thing. I think overall we could get the impression that, I don't know, Bartosz is kind of a bully too. So, um, yeah, well, we can, we can talk more about that later, but yeah, I don't necessarily like him in this first episode, but I do feel like he wants to protect his friend. Like you mentioned being loyal. Yeah. And he's, when the kids are staring at Jonas, he's like, what are you all looking at? So he stands up for his friend right away. And anytime he sees Jonas kind of looking down or looking off glazed eyed, you know, he kind of brings him back in or tries yeah. to make him feel better with a joke or whatever. That's what reminded me of my friend Jay. That's how my friend Jay was too. He wasn't afraid to like yell at people or to like, you know, <laughs> state what was right or to, you know, have his own um, brand of loyalty that was different from other people's brand of loyalty. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm that's maybe that's why I have feelings about Bartosh. Be that, that, like I don't like him, and it's a strong dislike. But at the same mm -hmm. time, I'm like, oh, but he is, you know, he does. You know, you can tell he does have affection towards Jonas. Yeah. Maybe his mm -hmm. only friend. <laughs> no, that's not true. Him and Magnus yeah. seem like they're buds, and he's got Marta too. Hmm. Yes, he does, doesn't he? Somehow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> so after this, we see Ulrich walking into the police station, and we find out he works for the police in Winden. And he enters the hall and finds his colleague, Charlotte Doppler, being yelled at by the parents of Eric Obendorf. They don't feel the authorities are doing enough. Eric's been missing for 13 days, and Ulrich tries to defuse the situation by assuring the parents that Eric probably just ran away. He's done that before, mm -hmm. but they say that, well, before he was only gone for two days, and it's been 13 days. And, you know, Charlotte gets spat on. <laughs> so the, the, <laughs> parents, right. the parents are upset. You know, the cops aren't doing enough. And Ulrich is doing the less than comforting thing police sometimes do, which is just to keep reiterating, we're doing everything we can mm -hmm. and everything will be all right. But it's not comforting at all to these parents. No, nah, not really. And this is this is the particular scene that um, I wanted to come back around to. This is the one that um, is affecting me differently now. Uh, you know, you, you shared a pretty serious subject earlier about, you know, mm -hmm. the, the suicide incident. And so for me right now, um, Heather's best friend has been missing for about two weeks. It's been 15 days now that she's mm -hmm. been missing. 
and Heather's been talking to the detectives. Mm. And she is um, feeling like the detectives don't really care. <laughs> the detectives seem like they have their own idea of what happened and any other speculation, they just don't seem to take into consideration. They just don't seem to care. So this whole scene like really struck home because that's pretty much exactly what we're doing right now. So yeah, I can see that. And another thing like less um, personal is Ulrich not doing the best job as a police officer here, as we're saying. Charlotte obviously is. She's going all out. We'll see later that she's really going all out into this case. But then that reminded me of uh, Peter, who I kind of got Peter and Ulrich confused, like facial wise anyway. But yeah, Peter with his poor therapy move earlier <laughs> and, um, you know, Ulrich here just kind of like, yeah, the kid ran away. Big deal. Um, so you're seeing a couple of guys in Wyndham that are just kind of half acidly doing their jobs. Hmm. I don't know. It, is, it can be hard sometimes when you're watching something in a different language to get all the tone fully. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like Eric Ulrich seemed all that concerned. When I look at him, truly, I was like, he doesn't really seem that concerned. But at the same time, the words he said, you know, he, he makes the point that we can't we can't dismiss the fact that there's been no criminal activity. It's a fairly typical thing because sure. as a cop, you're trying not, you know, you're trying to get the person to move from an emotional place to a slightly more logical place. Right. So I didn't think outwardly, you know, at first we're like, oh, he's doing he's doing all right. He, he's doing a good job here. I think like you mentioned later, mm -hmm. we can see. He really, he really on the inside doesn't care. But I'm not sure that came across across here. Charlotte was also, and you mentioned your admiration for Charlotte, but she's also sort of repeating words like a cold person, you know, like something you read in a script. So I don't necessarily, I don't know, I feel like he was a little bit more human in his approach than her. She's definitely the better detective, though, in the long run. But... Um, but yeah, that's it's interesting that you uh, that we we saw that slightly differently. But I think the overall though we both recognized that cops aren't good <laughs> comforting <laughs> parents, people that are upset. Well, some aren't. Yes, that's correct, and especially this one in Chesterfield County that, that we're mm. dealing with. No names involved yet, so. Mm. <laughs> um. So just a brief scene, we see a mysterious stranger walk out of the caves wearing a dark raincoat. Ooh, I saw that too. It was mysterious <laughs> and we can't speculate about it yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, we did we do get a second raincoat here. We got the yellow raincoat uh, and we got the dark raincoat. Heck, it's a rainy town. What can you do? <laughs> it's a rainy town. It's always <laughs> raining. So Magnus stands outside the school smoking a joint and is confronted by a girl named Francisca. It mm -hmm. turns out the girl is Francisca Doppler, the daughter of Charlotte, who works at the Wyndham Police Station. Cool. And the two of them have this strange interaction which seems both flirtatious and disdainful. Mm-hmm. And I, this was my, when I watched this show, Steve, I will tell you, 
I fell head over heels for Magnus right here in this <laughs> oh, moment. Yeah. <laughs> you talked about not liking him, but he was he's the one that I was like Oh, if I was if I was in Winden, he would be the one that I would have fallen for, I can tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the hitting thing. That's the because like I said, other than that, I like everything about Magnus. I just don't like him hitting his little brother. Because I was a little brother. I don't like those kind of things. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't like it either. I think I don't know. I feel like when I saw that though, I I feel like okay, younger kids get younger siblings always get yes. picked on. If it's not a bop in the head, it's like uh, what do they call it when you uh, when you grab some around the neck and you give them like the a noogie. <laughs> a noogie <laughs> yeah give them like a noogie or whatever it's like those kinds of things especially between brothers seem like really common now maybe these days parents are moving away from allowing that sort of thing but <laughs> this is 2019 so you know <laughs> <laughs> but he says something interesting here to her which I was having I was wanting to make sure I understood the translation and I still don't again like I said, when you're doing something in a foreign language, sometimes you're not noticing the nuances with like social codes. Okay. But he says, shouldn't you be inside with the geeks? <laughs> right. Right. That's the translation we get in English. Yes. When I looked up, his, when I train, changed to get the German words oh. and put that in the translator, it actually just said, shouldn't you be in there? <laughs> There's no <laughs> geeks. But, um... But what I got out of this is he's in, he's kind of like a troublemaker, right? He's outside smoking a joint. Yeah. And he was surprised that she joined him. So her reputation must be squeaky clean. You know, she's a, a, maybe a straight-A student. Yeah, I think so. It looks like she's probably a smarty. Because he's the principal's mm -hmm. kid, but he's not a good kid, obviously. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I get, the, I get the vibe that she's supposed to be a good kid. A cop's kid. Come on. <laughs> and a therapist kid. Oh, that's right. I mean, right. both of them are kids of cops. Charlotte and Ulrich work together. Oh, yeah, that's right. So that's, well, there is their relationship. They are, their parents have a working relationship, so they've, they've been, both been, like, to the same boring work parties. So that's probably why their relationship is the way it is, because they have to spend, like, boring time together. Like, oh, we're here. Okay. <laughs> like desert mm -hmm. island situations. Mm. Although but for yeah, you, you would love it though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, their relationship is, is very strange. They're they're kind of flirting, they're interested, yeah. but they're also sort of dismissed, kind of dissing each other and insulting each other. So, I think Francesca I dropped the mic on him though because he had like an a, astonished look on his face when she walked away. Like, whoa. Well, she like, told me he had, he, she said he shouldn't be smoking weed, especially bad weed like this. And he's right. like, whoa. She's yeah. spicy. And yeah, he liked she, it. She knows her flavors of the bud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So now we get the scene. This is the, this is the scene here. Okay. Um, when we're talking about Bartosz and, and Jonas oh, and, right. and, and Marta okay. and that whole can of worms that gets opened. And that's what I, as just an aside before I read this, I will say, I was thinking today, we get, we get introduced to so many characters in this first episode, but they do such a good job making these interactions so intriguing with very little dialogue. We don't really get to see any of these characters for very long, but we are automatically intrigued in 
their dynamic and what their relationship is and what the history is. Yep. They just, they drop it with so little, it's all body language, blocking, and very sparse dialogue. Yeah, I think it starts so. out, I mean, I know you're getting ready to go over the recap mm-hmm. here, but like when Marta walked, is it Marta or Martha? Can I say Martha? Is that okay? Marta. <laughs> I got to say Marta. You're going to hold me to it? Well, I will be saying Marta, but you can say whatever you want. I'm not going to hold the hammer over your head. You are very kind about that. And during 1899, you let me say all their names wrong, and I appreciate that. Um, I wanted to say that Jonah's face just lit up when he saw her. Like, he was so stoked to see her. But then when she sat down and grabbed Bartosh's hand, you know, his face just fell. But, like, it was remarkable how, like, how his face lit up when he saw her. That's mm-hmm. what that's what I wanted to say before you went on. Yeah, so they're at this school assembly, and one of the Nielsen teens, Marta, approaches Jonas, and the two share this meaningful look that can speak volumes. Mm. And they seem very happy to see one another, as you said. His face lights up. She's obviously happy to see him. But then she passes him by and sits next to Bartosh, and kisses him. And it turns out Bartosh and Marta are now a couple. And Jonas is deflated in an instant. Yes. And, um, you know, Bartosh makes this statement. Ugh. Well, maybe there's some news that you didn't know. Oh, I hated that so much. Right, right. <laughs> and this is the moment that does make us dislike Bartosh. Yes. Because before we were sort of, I feel like we were sort of neutral, but because we're introduced to this show and this, what we know about Jonas is his father killed himself. So we are already sympathetic to him. Right. He's also the vessel with where we enter the show. Yeah. Like the everyday person that things are happening to. So we are designed in this moment to be sympathetic towards him. Sure. And now we know not only... Did your buddy make up <laughs> stories about France? But he obviously stole your girl. I mean, this was, this was, you can tell we don't know much of anything, but we know that Jonas likes Martha and that she probably likes him. But now she's with Bartosh and he, you know, he took opportunity to, you know, he seized his moment, right? To get with her. <laughs> That's why I was thinking the whole France story was just for Marta, like just so, you know, he wouldn't have to like deal with a heavy subject. So he could just focus on, you know, having a girlfriend and not having to worry about heavy subjects like the other guy, my best friend, his dad's suicide. I think that's mm-hmm. where the France story came from, from a personal like, I'll, you know. Mm-hmm. You're speaking from personal experience, do you? No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I made up the France lie. I did it. I told Bartos to say well, that. <laughs> I don't mean it that way, I know, but I, I feel know. like the situation is relatable where sometimes um, two guys will like the same girl mm-hmm. and then one of them seizes the opportunity to to make something happen and sort of leaving the other person out of the loop and it's it can be very it can be very hurtful because especially if you're all friends and now I have to see you dating this person every day you know see you guys together and if you're teenagers with that level of maturity as well I mean mm-hmm. it adds another level to it 
Well, I guess, um, do we have anything else about that scene? Because I do need to take another break. Yeah, the only thing I was going to say is that this during this assembly, Katarina is the principal. So we find oh, out that yeah, we this is when that's right. she comes out on the stage and just asks the kids to let her know if they have any information about Eric Obendorf and everybody be careful. Just typical adult warnings. The real purpose of this yeah. scene is for us to find out about Marta and Jonas and Bartosz. But we do find out also that Katarina is the principal of the school. Yeah, that's big stuff. And we also find out that um, Magnus is sitting this one out. He doesn't go to assemblies like this. He sits outside and gets high. So <laughs> we learned something about his character. You know, I didn't even think about that. But, I, you know, it could be you can you say, well, maybe Magnus is sitting somewhere else, somewhere else in the auditorium. He's not with his friends. But you're <laughs> right. He was against the wall smoking weed. Yeah, he ain't there. Because, yeah, he's like, aren't you supposed to be inside with the other geeks? Because he's as if to say, like, mm. us cool guys are out here smoking weed. All the geeks are inside at the assembly with my mom. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, now you've helped me see the light. Now I understand that line. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot about that last part of that scene there um, with, the, with the principal. But, yeah, I forgot about it because nobody pays attention to the principals anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, I'm gonna hit another break, Lindsay. We'll be right back in a minute. All right, we are back. Hello again, Lindsay. We are back at the police station. <laughs> That's our next scene. Right. <laughs> so at the police station, Ulrich and Charlotte are discussing the Obendorf case. And Ulrich is adamant that the boy has run away. Charlotte is asking him how he knows that. And he says that it's Wyndon. Nothing ever happens here. <laughs> Likely. <laughs> <laughs> and she reminds him that that hasn't always been in the case. Hasn't been the case. Mm -hmm. And he lashes back that this has nothing to do with his brother. Huh? <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, also, Charlotte tells Oric that his mother has called on the emergency line. <laughs> and that maybe he should call her back. So we find out so much in this scene. I know, you're um, right. And he asks her if she ever wonders where she took a wrong turn. And as, as he leaves, he says something else, but as he leaves, Charlotte looks over to glance at her family's photo. Every family has a photo. <laughs> and the, I don't the have photo one of has, <laughs> the photo is uh, Peter, Francisca, and another daughter. So we see we are kind of meeting her family. But we find out from this scene that something happened with Oluk's brother. Yeah. In the past. And, um, you know, Ulrich thinks his city is boring. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe he's right. It does seem like a pretty small town kind of situation where you can like run around in the forest with your hoodie on and nobody is even around to care. So obviously it's a small town vibe. <laughs> you can go get your bait, your shag and your baked goods in the morning <laughs> before school. Um, nothing's going on. <clears throat> but you mentioned that you mentioned something to the effect of Charlotte. You said Charlotte is going all in. Oh, yeah. What did you mean by that? Well, she has all those. Is this the scene where she shows like the tire tracks where she's been like 
gathering like all the different types of tire tracks and stuff and like yes. she's narrowing it down like these are tire tracks of trucks these are tire tracks of cars i mean they don't have much to go on but she mm-hmm. is um going the only angles that she can and she's going deep so you know i think i think they're just trying to show that she's a thorough person that's going to pay attention to details mm. that's what makes her a good a good detective she's very yeah. thorough like you said she's she found out how many tire tracks were there and how many vehicles that could possibly match it. Mm-hmm. That that's a good a oh. good find there. And Eric's dad drives a van, drives a delivery van. Mm. Um, might come up later, who knows? But that's mentioned as well. Yeah, we're wondering what Ulrich's been doing. Has has Ulrich <laughs> contributed anything to this case? <laughs> He's been jogging and driving around in his car and getting croissants <laughs> and looking for black hoodies. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I think that Charlotte's been um, probably been doing the heavy lifting, and he's just been kind of going through the motions. He's he's been quiet quitting this whole time. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, this is this is life in Wyndham. Yep. And then we got the Hotel Wyndham. That's our next scene. Yes. So we have another location, Forest Hotel Wyndham. The phone rings and it's answered by Regina Tiedemann, who answers Hotel Wyndham. And basically the bill collectors are Mm. calling to ask for loan payments (sighs) because nobody's been staying at the hotel ever since the boys have gone missing. Or that's the excuse anyway. Yeah. Um, Regina is very upset and angry that they have no sympathy. And um, we find out that she's very successful. Her and her husband have been clients of this bank for many years. But that that is, yeah, that's the note they have in that scene. I know we found out later on, too, about how they have money because um, friend. Francesca like mentions that Bartos's family is rich or whatever. So mm, I guess this hotel yeah. is profitable. I noticed there was only one key missing from like the rack behind her. So I guess there is one person staying at the hotel right now. All the other keys are hanging behind her. <laughs> you must have looked pretty close because I I didn't I didn't see I didn't look at the count the key hooks. I had to. That's the kind of thing I do. And I um, um I I've been on the um, I've been on both sides of this conversation that she's having because I work at a utility company, so I, I've I've had to like tell people that their you know their water is about to be cut off, their bill is way past overdue, their bill is going to collections, and I've also been the person that has had my electricity cut off before at times. So yeah, these are difficult conversations to have, and she doesn't handle these conversations very well. She's very emotional. And the hotel is very, a very large, beautiful building that, um, that, yeah, it's, we see the front of the building. Right. Before we, before we go in. Yep. But I didn't have anything else. I just noticed that one key was gone. So I assume there's one, um, one person staying (laughs) there. One brave guest. Yeah. (laughs) The reporter. That's where the reporter's (laughs) staying. (laughs) Oh, Yeah. So back at school, Francisca is giving a report on black holes. Mm, interesting. And Bartosh tells Jonas they should explore the Winding Caves and find Eric's stash of dope. 
He plans to find the drugs and sell them for profit. And he's also making unkind comments about Francisca. Yeah. So he's a rude old. Another we it's another reason we have to dislike uh Bartosh is that he's just be making mean comments about girls. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. like that. Um I mean it's it's nice that he's giggling with his friend, but the subject matter is not giggle worthy, we'll say. And yeah, her report on black holes is very interesting. We gotta pay attention to these details. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I didn't have much else for this scene. Yeah. So, Ulrich has now decided to talk to his mother. Good boy. Who's been making these emergency (laughs) phone calls. To the police station. (laughs) Yeah. Um, She's been in the forest, and she sees, tells him she's seen a strange man with a very large head. I, you know, she also just found a discarded Raider candy bar wrapper. Mm-hmm. And she reminds Ulrich of how much his brother Mads loved Raider candy bars. Okay. And you might be wondering, what's a Raider candy bar? Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in numerous countries, including Germany, Twix candy bars were branded as Raider until 1991. So this is basically a Twix bar that Mads enjoyed. Yeah, the font is exactly the same. Like it looks like a Twix, except for the words are wrong. So yeah, I'm mm-hmm. glad you pointed that out to me because the first time I saw this, I thought it looked like a Twix, but I was like, oh, it's some German candy. But it's Twix. Some weird German candy. Heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put that down for the uh, dark watch party next time. Snacks to get Twix bars. <laughs> um. So she intones that what happened to Mads is happening again to Eric 33 years ago. Yep. And on the wall is a photo labeled Mother's Day 1986. And it has two boys in the picture. And we're guessing that these boys, at this moment, we're guessing that these boys are Ulrich and Mads, mm-hmm. who are they're discussing. And Ulrich just says, again, there's there's no connection. So... <laughs> Ulrich. He's, he's continuing to be a lousy police officer. <laughs> but the whole theme of this show is everything is connected. Why is he saying there's That's no connection? True. <laughs> That's true. That's the first thing I thought of when he said that. I was like, you're, you're in the wrong show, buddy. I don't, <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know what you're saying. <laughs> but yeah, is this the, um, is this the first mm-hmm. time that the, uh, the 33 year was brought up or has that been brought up previously? I'm thinking we heard yeah. this before. I don't think we had the, the I think this is the first time 33 is brought up. We do have Charlotte saying that um, it hasn't been always the case that nothing happens here. She and, you know, Oryx says nothing's this doesn't need nothing to do with my brother. She doesn't say 33 years or, or draw okay. that number. But yeah, this is the first time that that number comes up. Gotcha. OK. Well, there's an old man in a nursing home who agrees with his mother. <laughs> that's true so this older there's a a, an older man who's in a local nursing home and he's just saying it's going to happen again this is the one thing this is the one part of the show that um like the first time i watched it even now um i don't know i don't i don't i don't like the 
the old man prophet saying it's going to happen again and just saying that over and over and over again. It kind of took me out just a little bit. I mean, I know what the intention is there, but mm. you know, just think it was a slight miss, but I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you, fella. It's going to happen again. So now we finally get a glimpse, the glimpse of Eric. We've oh, been wondering where he is. Yeah. And he's in a room with a sealed door. The room is decorated as if a small child is sleeping there with blue characters, you know, characters on a blue wallpaper, cartoony bed linens, a panda in a chair, toys, <laughs> milk and cookies, and bunk beds. It's a little too young for Eric, right? This really reminded me, remember when in 1899 you uh-huh. were saying that the Elliot's weird ass room? Uh-huh. <laughs> this is exactly what I thought about so, too. <laughs> so much, yeah. Um, so Eric is lying on his bed, sort of hugging himself and holding his ears. And there's a television that is playing a music video of Dead or Alive's You Spin Me Around, playing loudly. In the center of the room, we see a strange looking chair and it looks sort of like an electric chair. Looks exactly like an electric chair to me. (laughs) (laughs) Not sort of, exactly. It's exactly what I thought it was when I first saw it. Yeah, so what did you think of this scene, Steve? I did not like it. Um, (laughs) It made me think about 1899, Elliot's little room. Um, I could tell by him putting his hands on his ears that that song was just being played over and over and over again Mm -hmm. in order to drive him crazy. I guess it's been 13 days now, um, and he's been in this room with like no stimuli except for this brightly colored stimuli, so... I'm fearing the worst for our boy here, Eric. I don't, I don't like where he's at. Um, I felt like a sinking feeling in my stomach, like, oh, this is one of those kind of um, unfortunate scenes. I, that's all I can tell you, is I just did not, <laughs> did not like it. <laughs> it's one of those things where for like me, it? I'm like, well, no, I didn't. I mean, I was glad, I was glad to get a look at Eric. I was like, okay, yeah. he's not dead. Yes. Um, it looks healthy. And if I, you know, if I really liked the wallpaper, I was like, this is bright and colorful. It's the kind of thing I would like. <laughs> but all together, having the wallpaper and the carpet be bright blue. And then the door, though, is like a dungeon door <laughs> that's painted blue. And just the, just the way they film it with like the weird milk and cookies and the panda. And then you see it's a teenage boy. It's just it. It's creepy. It's just creepy and gives you gives you the creeps. It is. And yeah, it ties in with all these vermist posters we've been seeing around everywhere. So uh, back at school, Jonas and Bartosz keep talking about walking to the caves. Mm-hmm. And Martha and Magnus over here and want to get involved right away. Sure. And the group passes Francisca and she and Magnus have another one of their weird interactions where they sort of, she's like, Magnus, Francisca? And they're just, everybody's like, what's going on? I like that a so, lot. <laughs> I, I liked it too. It was like, I see you, you see me. Hello. <laughs> um, but what I think is interesting here is Jonas, Bartosz has been up to this point trying to convince Jonas to like, they need to do this. And Jonas has been sort of like, eh, I don't know. But then Marta joins the group and 
Bartosh keeps doing the thing where he puts his arm around Martha and then Jonas is like, all right, let's do it. So they're going to meet at the caves. They're going to go to the caves and try to find the dope so they can they can uh, sell it. Get rich or die trying. <laughs> <laughs> I got to point out here because a lot of people watched Stranger Things and mm-hmm. then like while they were waiting between seasons, they happened upon Dark and they checked out mm-hmm. Dark. It's no coincidence that Bartosh here says easy peasy, which is very similar to what our man said in uh, Stranger Things. That was like his big catchphrase. And Sean like, Astin. Sean yeah. Astin. There you go. And like he, everything was easy peasy. And even like when he like passed away, that was like he was like easy peasy. So like Bartosh <laughs> saying it here brought me right back to Stranger Things mentality. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> Okay, well, whether it translates fully into German, who knows, but I appreciate you finding that connection, Steve. Sure. So Hannah arrives at the wind and power plant and receives a call from Ulrich, who is, you know, bugging her to come to the meeting again tonight. And he kind of throws out this idea of them going on an out-of-town business trip together. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And and Hannah looks pretty pretty happy about this suggestion. But at meanwhile, the Nielsen home, Katarina picks up Ulrich's sweatshirt mm-hmm. that's just still at the table and finds a mysterious hair and notices a strange smell. And she looks at her family photo. So she does not take the hair to the forensics lab, but she loses <laughs> a hair on the sweatshirt. She doesn't need one. She knows. She knows. She's got her suspicions. And if that mm-hmm. hoodie smells like Hannah, even after his jog, then she has a pretty strong scent. Mm-hmm. And remember, mm-hmm. uh, well, I'm not, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but but she does get a good scent of Hannah later on, too. And you can kind of... <laughs> Mm. I don't know if you yeah. noticed that or not, but she kind of does like a little mm. inhale there as well. I did not. I did not. But my only, but my only note for this was Ulrich sucks. Again, I just wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, first, so, yeah, first oh, I was yeah. wondering why she was going to the power plant. Like when I first saw this scene. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you know, by this point, it's clear what everybody's occupation was. And I was wondering mm-hmm. what Hannah's occupation was. And I see her at right. the power plant. And the first thought is she's a power plant employee. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But you're going to tell us in this next scene that's not quite the case. <laughs> so she's a massage therapist who has, well, we only see her working with one client <laughs> the whole show, <laughs> which is Alexander Tiedemann. Father of Bartosh and husband of Regina. So he's the wealthy person you talked about before. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alexander has this scar on his back that Hannah points out. And Alexander reveals that 33 years ago he arrived in town. Mm-hmm. So the 33 years, the 33s continue. 33 years ago, some stuff happened and this dude walked into town and he's like, I'm going to put my power plant right here. Like, <laughs> uh, that's exactly what happened, even though it was built in 1960. But, um, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I thought, um, 
Yeah, I thought it was interesting. The Hannah, Hannah, they made Hannah on the show like a massage therapist, which is like mm-hmm. everybody else has um, a principal, um, police officer, therapist, which are like more, I guess, cerebral and where a massage therapist is more like of the body instead of like of the brain. So I don't know if that hmm. was significant of anything or not, but it just, I just thought that was an interesting choice for her job and that she has like a job what's like intimate. It's like an intimate kind of job where like she's hmm. not being intimate with a man, but I mean, he is undressed and she is like handling him and like helping it's him. It's almost, almost like a type of healthcare. Yeah, that's right. That's what I'm looking for. But it's a healthcare of the body <clears throat> as opposed of the mind. Mm-hmm. But it gives her access and gives us access to see this scar on his back, which, you know, is an important thing to do. Right. That's a, a pretty interesting, a pretty interesting looking scar, too. Yeah. Um, but we we come back to Inez, who's still gazing at the letter. <laughs> <laughs> she loves and, that letter. Uh, yeah, she listens to a voicemail from from Hannah, who's angry right. that the power is out, and um, she hasn't come to see Jonas in a few months. And uh, you know, so this was this was interesting too, where you're like, well, why are you calling yeah. Inez about your house? Yeah. Um, the power being out, can't you pay your own power bill? Um, but yeah. There's a lot we don't know here, but we we already saw that Hannah, you know, ripped her out of the family photo. Yeah. So, yeah. I was thinking that, too. Like, why is it Inez's responsibility to have the power there? And it's. Mm. But not only is not only is that an issue, like the milk has also gone bad. We can't forget that. So she hasn't gone shopping in a while either. I think these things are kind of stacking up to show us, you know, um, well, you know, her husband did commit suicide, but I think that she's mm-hmm. just not functioning well, just straight right. up. And um, maybe there was but some she's kind going of... going to work. Well, she is. She is. Yeah. I mean, no doubt. She still has to survive, <laughs> I guess. But maybe there was some kind of weird arrangement in the past. I mean, you never know what kind of like... Mm. Maybe that's Inez's house and that she's always been in charge of the bills and... She told them, maybe she made yeah. a promise to Michael at one point, like, oh, yeah, I'll, I got your bills for you. Don't worry. And then when he passed away, Hannah was like, hey, she's got her bills for us. Well, guess what? She doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, even when Jonas came down to breakfast at the beginning, um, he sat down at the table when he didn't have breakfast and there was like an open bottle of wine there. Oh, so, didn't notice that. <laughs> there's no breakfast, but we were enjoying our wine. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Hannah goes to school for this meeting, which turns out to be a parent meeting about Eric Obendorf. Right. And she's met by Katerina and their friends. And I guess this is what you're saying. Katerina takes a sniff. Yes. They hug. And then there's a visible sniff that she does like while they're hugging. So I didn't know yeah. if she caught that smell or not, or if it was just coincidence, but it was there. Mm-hmm. And Katerina is very surprised to see her. So you get the feeling that, Hannah has not been out in public. Maybe they, you know, she hasn't seen her since the, since the suicide and. Just like Jonas, I guess. Like they've just yeah. been in hiding for a while. Yeah. Except for Ulrich. He's been around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Ulrich's been around somehow. <laughs> Those two are in touch. Yep. 
So Jonas leaves on his bike to meet his friends at the caves and he and Marta are the two the first two people to show up. Heck yeah. She tries to talk to him about what happened last summer, but he kind of cuts her off Mm-mm. and is like, "Huh? Is everything okay?" And she feels like there's a moment of deja vu and Jonas replies that it must be a glitch in Glitch in the Matrix is how, you know, he doesn't say Matrix, he says it in German. Yeah. But this, you know, this is an opportunity the two of them could have maybe talked about what happened, but they don't, mostly because of Jonas. I guess Mm -hmm. he's decided to play the avoidant game. You know, we're not going to have this conversation right now. I do like how she came back at him, though, where he was like, Mm -hmm. no, you don't have to talk about this. And she was Mm -hmm. like, no, I want to talk about this. Yeah. I appreciate that she's like more of an open, you know, open person than obviously Jonas is. I mean, you know, he's, he's got his things going on. We're, we're sympathetic to him, but yeah, he wants to just kind of brush it aside for now. And yeah. Yeah. And she mentions what's, what happened between us Mm -hmm. back then. The smooch perhaps. Yeah, so that we're we're like, oh, there's there's a history. We already knew that, but they. She tries to bring it up, and he, yeah, it's interesting. I was, I, you know, I wonder, you know, you can wonder like, why did he not want to talk about it? I guess he thought the others will be here very yeah. very soon, and <clears throat> he also has no idea if Martha Martha like still likes him or sure. if she's happy with Bartosh and. He's not up for getting, Jonas isn't getting up <laughs> up for getting rejected right now when he's already feeling very fragile. Yeah, I hear that. So the rest of the group shows up and Mikkel had to come along too because oh. the babysitter called in sick. And Mikkel and Jonas are buddies and yes. they give each other an ultimate fist bump, which Heck I yes. love. You're just I love like, it too. oh, it's adorable. And then um, Mag- Magnus and Bartosh continue to take turns whopping Mikkel on the head some more. So even Magnus doesn't stand for that though. He's like, hands <laughs> off my brother. <laughs> yeah. But then he does it himself. He says, I'm the only one that can do that. Yeah. So <laughs> then to yeah, like, then to like demonstrate it, he does it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the old man keeps showing up saying it's going to happen again. We don't have to keep reiterating, but he's doing that over and over again throughout the rest of this episode. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Um, At the parent meeting, we kind of see Katerina is trying to do something to keep the rest of the kids safe. And Regina is very upset by anything Katarina proposes. Anything. So this is another it's another instance of instant history we can see with very little explanation that um, whatever Katarina thinks is a good idea, Regina thinks it's a really bad idea. And um, yeah. So Han- Hannah comes in too, but she's just kind of there waiting for Ulrich to show up <laughs> yeah, so they can have another makeout session. She is not paying attention. Nope. <laughs> mm. I was wondering about the Regina and um, I'm sorry, what's the principal's name? Katarina? Katarina, yes. Yeah, like their vibe was very off. Like, um, you will probably find more about that later. But at this instance, I was thinking it might be like more like a... Uh, rich person slash school principal kind of power 
dynamic that they were trying to assert. Mm -hmm. Not they, Regina was trying to assert. Um, That's what I came up with at the moment, you know, watching this just blindly. Well, we have to remember, too, that Regina's business is suffering because nobody wants to come stay at the hotel. Sure. So she's she's interested in getting Wyndon back in business again. And the more that Katarina tries to emphasize that there's really bad things happening, Mm -hmm. that could get more and more bad publicity. And she's trying to sort of avert that from happening. So I feel like that's I do think they hate each other. There's there's more going on beneath the surface. But the the um, on the surface uh, dynamic is that Katarina is saying she wants to protect the kids and Regina is thinking, well, I want to foil her plans, but also (laughs) I don't want any more bad publicity. Right. And it feels like, you know, you could just be trying to incite bad things happening by continuing to say that there's kit, you know, that there's now a serial killer or whatever, you know, let's not start rumors. Yeah, exactly. In a room Mm. full of people, no less. Yeah. Yeah. So on the way to the caves, you know, Mickle is really concerned about Eric right. as you would as a young kid trying to understand this. And you see how each of the people is dealing with this a, a certain way. Bartosh is making jokes. Um, sure. Mickle is like, you know, if you if he it would be terrible if you weren't found, even if you were dead, I would want to be found. And he's kind of putting himself in Eric's shoes, mm-hmm. which I thought was really sweet. And then Marta just keeps turning around to stare to make eyes at Jonas, <laughs> and <laughs> and Jonas is I don't know what what he was trying to do exactly, but he's like, my dad says that good and bad is a matter of perspective, and oh, is it uncomfortable for you guys that I'm making jokes about my dead father? And <laughs> I love so that the, <laughs> they did not yeah. like that, but I liked it. I thought it was like a little bit of him coming out of his shell some and relating with his friends, and then his friends were just kind of like, "E, what did we say?" Because <laughs> they kind of clammed well, up. Yeah. Well, at the same time, that makes you wonder, though. Do if he's bringing that up, do Marta and Magnus know about his father dying? Like, what was the deal with France then? Like, huh? <laughs> right? Because if Excellent Marta question. really believes he went to France, yep. then is this actually Jonas's way of bringing up that, oh, this is what really happened? Oh, and that's why they gave him that look. Oh. Like, what? Like, what's he talking about? Right. You know? Interesting. Okay. Um... But they don't um, they don't really get to ask him any questions or dive deeper in that because they come to the caves and Bartosh remarks that the dope is in that yellow armchair, <laughs> but it's missing. And Francisca steps out and she has shown up as well and wants to offers to sell this dope to Bartosh so he can sell it. <laughs> Smart move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he basically pushes her and and steals the dope. Yeah, jerk off, man. That was a, that was the jerkiest move. Yeah, and you see, they show they make a point of showing Magnus's face when he pushes Francisca. Yes. Um, because of their dynamic. Now, 
at the same time as this is happening, I want to let everybody know that um, Inez has started reading that letter. Right. So this scene, this last bit oh, of scenes. Oh, it's time. It's 10.13. It's, oh, well, oh, okay. I was like, wait, it's 10.02. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 10.13 on November whatever. Yes, so yeah, it is yes. time to open the letter now. That's right. And what we need to like make sure people remember is that this in this part of the episode, there are multiple things happening at the same time. Right. We've got the parent meeting. We've got Ulrich and Hannah making out at the side of the building. <laughs> we have the kids and we have Inez reading the letter and these things cut back and forth to each other. So it really amplifies the tension of everything. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, like, real quick, the, the most uninteresting thing that's happening is the, the fact that Ulrich and Hannah are making out there. But I think it's interesting that they're making out at the exact same spot that Magnus was just smoking his joint with Francesca earlier. That's like mm. the exact same spot. Like, his, his son mm -hmm. was just there smoking a joint, and now he's there making out with his friend's mom. So <laughs> that's the spot to do weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good call. But um, more important stuff is happening though. Like what? Yeah. And what I what I want to know here is why does Bartosh hate Francisca so much? Yeah, um, that's an overall question I have. Is that came that, out of nowhere because they saw her earlier and they didn't really give her any ill will when they saw her in the hallway. It's just like well, he was the whole time. He, you remember, he was making fun of her in the. Oh, um, that's right. That's right. In he the was classroom. making fun of her in the class. Yeah. And they obviously like. I feel like when Magnus and Francisca interacted, they were giving Magnus a hard time about it. Okay. So yeah. all of them sort of don't seem to like her but Bartosh like I felt you know Martha says that um, she does say like oh what's this or why is she here but I mean Bartosh is overly mean to her yes. and I, it's just you wonder about that is it does it have is there bad blood between them for some reason absolutely seems like it now that you mention it yeah he was picking on her in class well not picking on her but talking crap about her Mm. So the lights all go out, including the, all of their flashlights, mm -hmm. phones, and everything. And a loud noise comes from the caves. Everybody runs, and Jonas and Mikkel are left behind. Jonas grabs Mikkel's hand, and the two run together. That was cute. I love that. I saw that Jonas grabbed Mikkel's hand. I loved it. That was sort of uncool that everybody else just left. Like, yes. you know, his, <laughs> you know, wouldn't you grab your, you know, Magnus didn't stop and make sure Mikkel was okay. That's why I thought it was adorable um, that Jonas did it. Like out of everybody, you would think it would be Martis or Magnus, but nope, it was Jonas. Mm -hmm. Well, he's the one that's been the nicest to yeah. Mikkel this whole time, you know, out of everybody. So um, Jonas trips and loses hold of Mikkel. And when he stands up, Mikkel is gone. And then a voice calls out from the desert. <laughs> Jonas. Um, Jonas. And we, Jonas has told us he's seeing his father. In his dreams. Um, right. In his dreams. So uh, Jonas turns around and he sees an image of Michael Conwald. Mm -hmm. And I, I put here covered in blood, but mm -hmm. I don't know if it's blood. I he, was wondering was, that too. He was, it was black. It was more like oil. Yeah. 
Because, I mean, he hung himself, so he wouldn't be bloody. Mm-hmm. But I thought yeah. that was really interesting, too. That gave me pause. I mean, I recognized who it was immediately, but I was curious about the blood. Mm-hmm. But you don't have He's any answers? He's covered in some black substance. Maybe it's I mean, paint. they're near this... It could be paint. They're near the nuclear power plant. Mm. So whatever comes out. <laughs> power goop. What liquid. <laughs> yeah. This is another image that reminds, you know, can remind us so much of 1899 yep. and seeing, um, I can't remember the guy's name. Oleg, yeah. Oleg coming out of the, of the smokestack on the ship. Um, so Helga has showed up at the at the meeting the old man his name is right. Helga and he is Peter's father okay or they're related somehow and he tells Charlotte it's too late and back at the school the cell phones of Hannah Ulrich Katerina Charlotte and Regina all light up at the same time at this scene I thought everybody's cell phones when I first saw this the first two times I saw mm. this, I thought everybody's phones were going off. And then it was the mm. third time I saw it, I was like, oh, it's just the parents of our characters' phones. So that makes a little more sense to me now. Because at first I was wondering, why is the whole town getting all blown up? But it's just the parents. Well, it could have been because I just, when I, as I read in my description, I just said all the lights go out, including the flashlights and the cell phones. They didn't have any light at all. So if it was... Um, one of those electrical impulse things that mm-hmm. makes like a whatever oh, right. a, yeah. a shutdown. But it wasn't like the lights went out in, inside the parent meeting. But anyway. The only they, people that the were interrupted have, were yeah. the parents because I looked at the crowd and nobody else was looking at their phones except for Hannah and mm-hmm. Katerina. Or not Hannah. You know who I'm saying. Katerina and Regina. Right. And, um, you know, Jonas has joined his friends at this point, and they all realize that Mikkel is nowhere to be found. Right. Not good news. And everybody's mad at everybody else. But yeah, we got to find this kid. Because mm-hmm. he's cool. We like his hoodie. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing like the karate kid ho- hoodie, like the skeleton <laughs> costume. <clears throat> Johnny. Um, so the parents arrive. Hannah and Ulrich had to stop their makeout session. Aww. Um, <laughs> I wonder if Jonas smelled Ulrich on Hannah when she hugged him. <laughs> um, the parents arrive and em- embrace their children. It's raining, of course. And Ulrich runs to the caves to see if he can find Mikkel. Mm-hmm. And um, Enos is finishing the letter and she folds it up and puts it back in the box. And she's crying. Um, so it's, it's all very moving and there's the first of many, um, montage sequences. Every Mm -hmm. episode has one of these long songs with a montage of images. So our song this time is Nightfall by Mimi Page, which is an instrumental. There's no lyrics to the song, but it's a pretty heartbreaking song. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say. Now Ulrich is worried about missing kids. When it's Mm. his own kid, he's going to be really worried about it. So this puts him in the ballpark now. Yeah. I think he's not going to be running on empty anymore. I think he's going to actually have a purpose from now on. (laughs) 
Okay, why don't you finish this? Because my voice is beginning to fry. Yeah, sure. As the day breaks, the site of the cave is being investigated. Charlotte receives a phone call from Peter, who tries to tell her something. Charlotte cuts him off. Um, Peter lets himself be cut off. Yeah, sure, whatever. And then he starts doing the serenity prayer out loud. Uh, the one that's, um, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so he's praying now. I wanted to mention that that cave being investigated, of course there's cops there, but there's also dudes in white hazmat suits with full mm -hmm. hazmat gear on, like mm -hmm. head to toe, like masks and everything, running their little metal detectors and stuff around there. So I thought that was a pretty uh, interesting sight to see besides just the police officers. It is interesting. Is that a typical thing people do? Maybe just near nuclear power plants. I think near nuclear power plants is where that happens. I've never seen that anywhere else. <clears throat> um, I'm going to go on here and say that a body has been found in the forest. Ulrich runs to the site. Uh, Charlotte is there and hugs him to comfort him. Um, she allows him to check out the scene. The boy, the body, is buried under the leaves. Um, Ulrich does some tending, uh, some digging to tenderly pull the leaves back. He's a little confused now when he sees the shoes. I guess he realizes those aren't his kid's shoes. Mm -hmm. um, as he looks at the boy, he um, backs up, tells Charlotte, that's not Mikkel. He says it twice. That's not Mikkel. Uh, we see like there's a Walkman next to him. The Walkman's still spinning with a tune. And do we see the boy's face at this time where like he has that burn up eyes? Do, is this this? We see that right now, right? Mm -hmm. His eyes are covered with something. I mean, we don't know what that is at this point and right. not even later, but it's covered with something black. Yes. Looks all kooky, uh, but it's definitely not Mickle. Uh, is what he says. So mm -hmm. I guess that's kind of a half relief, right? <laughs> that, like he's, gl he's glad it's not his son, but at the same time, mm -hmm. it's not a relief because it's not his son. His son is still missing. Right. Then, yeah, it's just, I thought it was interesting that he notices those sneakers first. Mm -hmm. And I don't know my sneakers, but... <laughs> I think they're like Air Jordans yes, of some kind. They but are. He, he might have, it, it could be that Ulrich goes, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, what is he thinking there? Is he thinking, oh, these shoes are old, or is he thinking these shoes look familiar? Oh, right. Um, but not Mickle's shoes. We know that for sure. It's not Mickle, though. He knows that for sure. So like our last scene is we go back to that room where our boy Eric is, um, the torture room. He's being held prisoner. There's somebody in the room with him, um, an unseen man straps Eric into that scary chair, which looks like an electric chair to me, I guess. Um, the TV is playing. We got another music video. It's Nina uh, from 1984. I can't pronounce the name of the song, <laughs> but it's a German song. And yeah, what's happening here to Eric does not look fun. That's when our scene goes out. When that thing clicks across his eyes, we fade to black. So we're not sure what's happening to Eric here. <laughs> it doesn't look good for Eric. 
It does not. I hope his eyes don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's not good stuff. <laughs> and the, the yeah. music changed. He's got a different song he's jamming to now. Mm. Yeah, this song, or like, I don't know German either, but I'm going to say, or Gwendy, or Gwendwo, or Gwendwan. <laughs> it's, uh, sure, the, the video is pretty, pretty outrageous. He, it's uh, there's people on roller skates, mm -hmm. um, neon color clothes, as you do in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Eric, we know that Eric is, um, that, you know, that video is from 1984. Mm -hmm. Eric is, um, you know, it's 2020. So why are they playing this 1984 music video? You know, you're just yeah. like, what? This is crazy. And before the, the other one was... Dead or alive. Um, it was uh, right round or whatever. Yeah, yeah dead or alive, you it's, spin me round. Spin me round, yes. That's another 80 song. So I was like, man, this uh, this serial boy, serial killer really likes 1980s <laughs> Well, Germany was the place for like the 80s. I mean, we're about the same mm -hmm. age. I remember like in the early 80s, like loving Nina and like 99 Luftballoons. I love the German version of it. And I remember like mm. there was Der Kommissar was like a big hit at the time, which was a completely German song. Uh, Rock Me Amadeus had all these German parts to it. Um, I don't know, Germany in the 80s, they hit it right. I'm not as cool as you. I mean, I don't. I don't know that I know all those songs that they were German. You know, I don't know that part. I'm like, okay, they played these at the roller rink. These, <laughs> some of these songs at the roller rink, right. but I wasn't cognizant of the fact that they were in like the '99 Luftballoons. Like I wasn't. This is you used to talk about lyrics. I wasn't paying attention to the lyrics. I was just like, can I roller skate to it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but we're goofing on this like really serious ending here because this is a. Uh, I don't we know. We have to it, have to have some levity here, you do, Steve. This you is do. a very dire show. But I mean, this is a this is a great mm -hmm. first episode of any show. I mean, mm. it says so much without saying a whole lot, and you really are you're kind of getting a sense of who these people are and that they're related in some way, but you don't quite know. Like, I still wasn't quite sure of people's relationships with each other at this point, like watching the show. I mean, I've seen it all now, but like going back to like seeing only the first episode, I knew that I loved it and I knew that there was a lot more I needed to see. Very Bow and Jante. <laughs> I mean, this is, <laughs> mm, it's prime yeah. stuff. That's why we're doing it. We wouldn't be doing it if we didn't love it. Yeah, and for this to be their first, I mean, I know they've done, they had done a couple of movies, but for this to be like their first major project, you know, you have to be in awe of that. Yeah. The, 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 how, how good this show is. It really is. And we have, like you said, we just have so many questions. We're, we're brought into this. I'm, I'm like, the interactions between these people, you have this small town and you have these four families and you're just you're brought in you're like what did that letter say yeah um how did inez get the letter is she gonna show the letter to jonas yeah. where's the black hoodie <laughs> <laughs> i mean that could be important um so you know what does peter want to tell charlotte 33 what's this 33 year thing yeah and and what does what does Marta want to say to Jonas? And what happened between Marta and Jonas? It's just everything. 
uh, Alexander, 33 years ago. Mag, Mads, 33 years ago. Right. And, um, yeah. Well, I guess one thing I can say, like, in, in closing here, because we are, like, on the ramp down here. We're closing mm-hmm. up. Um, to come back where everything is connected, I just released a song just yesterday. I did a, a cover version of the song Goodbye by Apparat, and someone pointed out to me that it was my 33rd single that I have released as an artist. <laughs> so it was really weird that like the number 33 came up in my life in a really unexpected way. I did not know that was my 33rd single, but it was, mm-hmm. and it was from the show Dark. So that tells you everything is definitely connected. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know we need to close up, but I do wonder at this point, maybe... You had one mentioned wanting wanted to say like who's your who's the character you love who's the character mm-hmm. you hate or like despise the most so far. Yeah. Um, so what you know? Let's name our favorite and least favorite at this point after this one episode. Yeah, because I think it's going to change drastically as we go through the yeah. series. Um, I mean, it's a big toss up between Bartos and Ulrich, but I'm going to have to go with Ulrich as like my guy. That is my least, not my least favorite, but he's the guy that I'm loving to hate right now. Like he's at the bottom of the pile because, you know, how dare he take advantage of a woman who, you know, has been through this trauma and has her son to take care of. And he's going to step in there and, you know, sleep with her and not even give her like the comfort that she really needs. He's just giving her sex Mm -hmm. and he's leaving his family at home and lying to them. You're terrible, Ulrich. You're terrible. Um, do you agree or do you have a different person that you hate the most? Mine's Bartosh. Okay. You know, I think, and I think they do that on purpose here. They bring him in. He's, he's like portrayed. I think the family in general is portrayed as the bad guys. Um, because you have him being mean to Francisca and stealing Jonas's girlfriend. And then you've got Regina who's just mad at Katarina. <laughs> so, um, and then Alexander is the wealthy, you know, he's there, he's the man of their house and he's like a rich executive. So just in general, I feel like the Tiedemann family are portrayed very much of being the people on the outside, kind of. Yeah. Sure. You just made me realize something though, and they're supposed to be wrapping up, but this Tiedemann family, if they're so rich, why is she getting calls from bill collectors for her hotel? If they're so rich, she should not be getting those bill collector calls. Just wanted to throw that out there. Hmm. And it seems but like he's pretty wealthy. wealthy. Have <laughs> you know she's he's wealthy, but there's the, also the power plant is closing. Remember? Ah, uh, that's true. In about a year. Hmm. Yeah. Squeaky clean record so far, though. Not even a year. It's November, and oh. it's going off the grid in twenty twenty. In a, yeah, so a couple months. All right, ride it while you can, buddy. okay favorite character i love mickle i mean mickle not just because he's the youngest character on the show and i know everybody's drawn to like you know the youngest cutest or whatever but i just like his his whole attitude his whole spirit he's got a lot of spirit and he's really into his magic he has his thing that he's really into and he's really committed to it he wants to dress like a magician so you gotta i don't know i like that passion he's Mm -hmm. my guy yeah. Well, I already told you I kind of, you know, have the hots for Magnus, but um, 
I also think Charlotte is, you know, I really like her because like you've mentioned, she's thorough and doing a good job and mm-hmm. she's like typical hardworking, hardworking woman and Ulrich is taking all the credit for all of her work, but uh, you know, so she's, yeah, not that you're like that, Steve. <laughs> Wait a second. That I, sure came around quick. <laughs> oh, no, I said not that you're like that. Oh, okay. I'm, being, I'm being serious. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. My defenses went up real quick. I just, I just said the typical, like the man's getting all the credit for the woman's work. And I was like, but this does not go for, for you and I. Yeah, you did all these nice recaps. And then I'm going to swoop in and be like, this is my podcast. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. speaking of podcasts, yeah, let's wrap up here. Did you uh, have anything in particular you wanted to showcase this week or any uh, plugs? Well, I hope people will go to one of my stories and read these awesome recaps, of course. Um, I don't, what 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 am I have coming up? Um, The next kind of big thing I have coming up is I am going to be doing a podcast about the Evil Dead movies because the new Evil Dead movie is coming out. And I just watched the movies for the first time. So I and another podcaster are going to be talking about the franchise, like someone who's very knows the franchise really well and me who's a newbie. So I'm the sweet child. Yay. So uh, look for that coming up on my channel. That's the next big thing. Yeah. And let me tell people, when you go to one of my stories and look at these dark recaps, Lindsay has pretty much reviewed like every movie that's come out. She has tons of reviews on there. So it's a good resource for me. If I like want to check out a movie, I check out what Lindsay said about it. We don't always agree 100%, but I really appreciate she has those. And you just did all those South by Southwest movies and reviews. So yeah, don't cut yourself short. Lindsay's got a mm-hmm. lot of stuff she's been up to and she's got a lot of reviews. And But what we're interested in right now is dark. So go check out that dark recap. And mm-hmm. me, I'm just doing music under Intro Void. I'm on like all the streaming services and that's my Instagram handle for me personally is intro.void. But this show has an Instagram too, Sweet Child of Time, Sweet Child of Time Pod. And our Gmail address is very long, sweetchildoftimepod at gmail.com. That's in the show notes. So if you want to click it and write us a note, we'd appreciate it. Um, and Lindsay, yeah. this is about the time that I'm going to start telling you to find some water and shade. But did you have anything else before we wrap up? Yeah, write us some email. That's all I, that, that's all I want. Write us a message about the show and what you like about it. Please, we haven't gotten emails since the 1899 days. Um, we, we were getting a lot of emails then. And when we started doing Wheel of Time again, the emails stopped completely. <laughs> so yeah. we want them back. And Lindsay will talk to you and I'll talk to you as well. Yeah. And if you write us a good email, we might, we'll read it on the air. It's wide open right now. So Absolutely. you can be the one. We'll make you famous. <laughs> and if you were listening last week, you know that me and James gave away the uh, first eight books of the Wheel of Time series completely free just because somebody wrote in. So when you write in, things might happen. You never know. Mm. <laughs> but from us at Sweet Shot of Time, we're signing off. So for me, Lindsay, I'm going to say to you, I hope you always find water and shade. I hope you always find water and shade and a really nice yellow raincoat. Oh, yes. Everything is connected. (laughs) Bye, Lindsay.
Goodbye.